There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. This week I'm joined by a good mate of mine who I've known for over 20 years and his name's Jack Singleton. Yep, Jack is the son of John Singleton and clearly the son of John's wife and Jack's mother, whose name I don't know, but I'm going to find out in a moment. And I first worked with him around the 98, 99, around that period where Jack will correct me on the dates, but uh, Jack in those days were at an advertising agency called Jack Watts, and I want to talk about that. And those were the days when I owned the wizard business along with Kerry Packer. Uh, since then, Jack is now the chairman of Roses Only. I'm sure he's done a whole lot of stuff in between. And that is Australia's largest flower delivery company, and it's an online business. That's an important part. And I want to talk to Jack about the importance of online and, and how you run an online business like this. If you ask Jack, it's become more about logistics and technology than it is about flowers and roses. That's in terms of operations, but clearly there are outcomes he's trying to achieve, and I want to talk about what is the emotional outcome that he's playing to. In other words, the question that Kerry always asked me when he first invested in my business, what business are you in? I'm going to ask Jack, what business is he in? And I'm going to guarantee that he's not going to say I'm in the business of roses and flowers. I brought Jack in as an expert on this week's episode of The Mentor, so on Channel 7 last night, uh, well, uh, Monday night, um, Jack uh, helped Kim out. Uh, she's the florist business in Cronulla, and what Jack has kindly agreed to do is come onto the podcast so we can have a fuller discussion because these experts that I'm talking to and I bring into the show, they get edited out of the show because we've only got 42 minutes of television. We've got a lot of stuff to cover over seven, day, seven days of filming. But what's important to me and for my listeners is for you to listen to what Jack's story is and listen to some real good real good advice that he has. By the way, Kim was struggling and she was working 15 hours a day, had no systems in place to make her business easier. She never got to see a child. She was up at four o'clock in the morning every day, going to flower markets, doing the deliveries at the end of the day for herself, then doing the books when she got home for the deliveries and, and I might add, make no money. I can say this after now it's about eight or nine weeks since we first saw Kim and Jack helped her. Kim now has three mornings a week where she doesn't go to flower markets and she takes her son to school. She doesn't do deliveries anymore after work. She still does her books and accounts later on, I guess, at the end of the day. She's paying half the rent she used to be paying, less than half the rent she used to be paying. She's got money in the bank and she's been able to employ a part-time employee. So for me, that's a win. And we have to thank Jack for that because Jack was our expert. He was our mentor on that particular show. Anyway, let's get into it. Jack Singleton, welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thanks, Mark. Good to be here, mate. All right. Let's, let's just deal with this, the name. I mean, uh, my kids have the same sort of legacy, nowhere near as famous as your father, but how does a young man Jack, with the name Jack Singleton make his own mark in the world? Yeah, look, it's, um, it's, well, 
I mean, it's been an advantage more often than it's been a disadvantage. Uh, I, I did work with my dad. Um, well, first job after school, I worked as a jackaroo in the Northern Territory. Came that back. sounds like a Kerry Packer, Jack Singleton type deal, yeah, a John well, Singleton type deal. Send the kids out to be jackaroos because I remember James was, uh, James was sent out to do something similar. Yeah, same same cattle station yeah, yeah. in Newcastle Waters yeah, yeah, in the okay. Northern Territory. Yeah. And why did I end up there? I could ride a horse and my marks weren't particularly good and it was a bit of a fallback position. People would say, mate, what are you doing after school? Um, and I'd say, oh, I'm, I'm going to work as a jackaroo in the Northern Territory. School finished. Got on a plane, got on a bus ride 12 hours from Alice Springs and worked as a jack. How long did you stay there for? Uh, six months. Six months. So the, I think the wet season ends about March and then it starts raining again and you've got to leave. You've got to leave. And, yeah. and did you enjoy it? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, a friend's young son called me yesterday going, I know you did this. How, how do I get back into it? And one of the girls I work with now runs a um, like a, a jackaroo station hand ringer um, recruitment business. So. Yeah. And it's amazing the friends you make out of these 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 experiences. I, you know, mate. I I, I guess I want. I'd like to know this, and hopefully everyone listening would like to know this. And I'm not going to spend too much time because this is about you, and it's not about your old man. But it, but John's a John is an icon in this country, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, I've always looked up to your father, and uh, and he's one of the old school, hard nosed but fair. Extraordinarily smart, great instincts type Aussie bloke. You know, like that's that's my assessment of him, and and done extraordinarily well for himself. He's he had, he's canny and well connected. And you grew up. You had there's a fair few brothers and sisters, isn't it? Yeah, there's eight, eight, eight of, of you. Us, yeah, yeah, and John's had. There's been a couple of wives in almost in, as many wives, almost as, as many kids, wives. Yeah. And I sort of understand that. I, I'm not quite up there with John in numbers of wives. I got or kids, but I, I got quite a number. It's still to in my, the single digits. So yeah, yeah, I'm in the single digits. Don't need yeah. a spreadsheet. Yeah, no, don't need a spreadsheet this this stage. But, family family tree. You might need a bit of software. What, what was it like growing up with John as your dad? Yeah, look, I'd always known that he was well known, uh, and I guess. You know, he had a, a TV show uh, in the late 70s, but I guess he was known for advertising yeah, first yeah. and foremost. So I was always aware that he was well-known. Um, and, look, I thought it was good that he was well-known for, for being good at what he did rather than being well-known for, you know, uh, you know, I guess there are people who grew up and their parents are well-known for the wrong reason. So I thought, yeah, he's um, – so he instilled in me work hard, uh, you know, be honest, and there were – a few. He wasn't a lecturer, like he would never say work hard and be honest. It's what you saw. But he was always he was always up early. He was training. He was fit. He was first to work, last to leave. Um, very much in that captain role of you know he'd never ask the players to do something he wouldn't do himself, and he was always in there working harder and longer than anyone. Probably fair, a real fair income bloke in the true sense of the word or the true sense of the adjective. Yeah, and he'd you know he'd, he'd grown up in um, not. Certainly, it wasn't from a poor family, but you know, hard-working, working-class family. And his um, his father had said to him, his father's name was Jack. He'd, he'd said to Dad, "What do you want to do?" He said, "I want to be a butcher." And he said, "Mate, we come from a family of boxers. If you pursue a career as a butcher, I'll take you out the back and give you a beating. You know, you've, <laughs> you're smart. You've gone to Fort Street, you're academically selective school. You've got the brains. Use yep. your brain. Um, put that to work. You know, in, in any." Um, 
with respect to butchers. He said, you know, any mug can be a butcher. You, you're, better, you're better than that. Nothing wrong with being a butcher, but use use your brain and try and do something. And did he tell you that story? Yeah. Yeah. And did your grandfather have, did you know your grandfather? Or yeah, very you? well. Yeah. yeah. He, he died when he was, um, yeah, about 75 in 1984. So I'd, I'd known him until I was 12 or 13. Was he a character? Yeah, he was. Yeah. 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 Loved a punt. Yeah. Um, we thought he'd given up the punt uh, until last year. We found out uh, my my son's um, first first class teacher at his local school came up to me and she said, "Jack, I I knew your grandfather. I used to serve him at the Enfield TAB." <laughs> and I, was like, I thought he'd given up the punt, uh, so he was still punting at the Enfield TAB, which which was a secret, which no one knew about until. Uh, until Bill's teacher, Mrs. Goldman, came up and shared that bit of information with me, and she and, didn't know it was secret. And 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 Jack, did you get your skill? And I, I think this is a real skill, and it, and it's a rare art today. But did you get your skill of storytelling, or being able to tell stories, and and more importantly, be able to relate stories to situations, which I think is an extraordinarily powerful tool. From John, because John was a storyteller. John's good at telling, like telling stories. Oh, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you reckon you got that from? Do you think it's DNA, or do you reckon you got it just from watching your dad, or or the people around him? You you used to see Kerry. I mean, they all, all of them. Yeah. Whitey, well, the whole lot of them. You know, they're all great storytellers. Like I, I get confused really easily. So I think if if I want to explain something to somebody, I, I try and make it easy for them to understand. And I guess maybe. Look, I would think my ability to tell a story comes from the fact that I, I, I struggle with complex things. I'm not, not dyslexic, but if someone gives me a set of facts, I'll forget it instantly. But if, if someone tells me a story, I'll remember it. So I guess I try. I guess it's a. I figure it's a bit of a courtesy to other people if I want to help them understand something. I'll so you apply the same. I'll tell process. a bit of a story. Yeah, because I got, I, there there's an era of people, and, you, and probably John's era, who their biggest strength was storytelling. And then John, obviously, his greatest, what we know him as one of his greatest achievements, and he's done lots of great things, but one of his greatest achievements is his advertising campaigns, particularly the Labor Party ones, when he did a lot of real great things for the Labor Party, like I think the It's Time um, uh, Labor Party uh, uh, campaign was part of John's thinking. I think that that might be right, but certainly he, I remember seeing him having celebrities, so, so to speak, stand up there and talk about how important the Labor Party is. And I think he got Labor into, into, into power on a number of occasions. And what I seem to remember is everything he did in his advertising was telling a story. Even though it was a short story, it was telling a story. And then you went and did stuff for me in the wizard business as our advertising agent. By the way, I should tell you, by the way, John was our advertising agency. And then we asked uh, Singleton Ogilvy Mather, who was a big agency, to uh, tender. And John spat the dummy and said, no, no fucking way am I tendering. And, uh, and <laughs> Kerry and I owned the business. That wasn't a good time. Me and Singleton didn't talk for a couple of years. But anyway, but what was good about it is that Jack won it. Jack Singleton <laughs> won it. He won, the, he won the tender. He got it. And you also tell stories in your advertising campaigns for us. Yeah, look, I think um – 
I guess like storytelling has become a bit of a, a bit of a buzzword, but like it, it's been around for forever and ever. Totally, uh, Homer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the Aboriginals. I mean, yeah, their dream time was that they didn't have a written language, so I guess their way of remembering things was to weave it into a story. Yeah, I mean, the Bible, the Koran, the you know, they're all you know, a well curated bunch of stories that help help. Communicate a particular message. So, but and and, and but that's a skill that not look, today not many people have that skill. I don't know if you've noticed it, but not many people have stories to tell. I mean, Ginjal's a great one. You stand around and talk to Ginj, he tells stories all the time. He, he's a great storyteller, great communicator. Therefore, Barry Wood. Yeah, know, Baz, oh great. I mean, Baz has got great stories. A yeah. lot of I mean, da- Dad for. Forever and still to this day, but Dad's got to do a talk somewhere. Or he'll get on the phone to to Barry Wood, and, and Barry Wood will fax through his you know his funny lines in this beautiful you know copper plate, absolutely perfect handwriting. Um, you know Barry Wood's one of the the best comedy writers that I think he's Dad's secret weapon. I don't think Dad. Yeah, well, I you know, knew that because ba- Barry Wood's magnificent, magnificent, totally magnificent storyteller. And he's and like I I you know I know his boys well as you do, and uh, and I try to see Baz as often as I can. And sit down and have a coffee with him, breakfast some mornings oh, on Saturdays a lot of times. And Baz just got to- – I just sit there like plastered against the wall listening to Barry tell stories. And it's great. I mean, and, and you can, I can think of a whole lot of people. I mean, there's a stack of people. I'm mean, Now, I was just like, Barry, I think of Chris Murphy, another yeah, one. Yes, yeah. The great storyteller, great lawyer, but like better storyteller. And then when he gets in a court, he tells a story. And I think the importance of telling stories is how you s- send your message. That's how you send your message. Your message. I mean, if Chris Murphy wasn't a lawyer, I mean, like Shakespearean actor, or totally. just magnificent delivery of the intellect on him. I was watching, um, what show I was watching last night, but I saw Agnes submitted her portrait of Chris to, um, to the Archibald Prize. You, have you seen I didn't see it. I don't know. Oh, incredible. It's like just done with like a, a dot style thing. And um, Does it look like him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. magnificent likeness. Oh, I've got to go oh, see it. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's mad. I mean, so, um, it's big, and actually, another surprising one of Dad's mates, who I, I think is pro, you know ge- genius level IQ, uh, Tommy Rodonicus. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the stories Tommy tells, but the the twist he'll put on things and his his view of looking at things, like the guys, the guys are genius. And they're the people. I don't know that I get attracted to those. I think, and I'm only survey one. I guess you're another one. We get attracted to those people, and I think like Matty Johns upstairs, like Matty Johns, great storyteller, right? Yeah, that's his strength. <laughs> he's got great recollection, and he's got a, a, a beautiful ability to articulate and and add some color. You got to add color, and you know you never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Also, oh, no, no. so you got to twist it a little bit. But um, and it's all about the outcome and making people feel good. I mean, it's they're never they're never slamming anybody. They're actually just it's mostly good news stories, good good stories or interesting sort of. And a lot of it has Aussie links to it, like um, you know, larrikinism and all that sort of stuff. I'd like to, and to be funny without being rude, vulgar, or offending anyone—that's that's really hard. And my my mum, who, who died about two and a half years ago, I, I would consider it a challenge to find things that I've seen could be on the internet or a TV show and send her stuff, links to YouTube that was neither you know crude, no not vulgar, no swear words, wasn't offending anyone, but but at the same time was incredibly funny. And you know the the Maddie Johns of the world have the uh, they can be offensive and crude and vulgar as well. But the real talent is to have this wonderful, wonderful sense of humour without without offending people. And it's how do you, very rare, very and, and rare. And Jack, okay, so 
I mean, you, you, you look at Matty Johns, even if he's not. I mean, like, first time I saw him, you know, watching league and even when he wasn't doing the talking, just watching his eyes and his face and his mannerisms. Yeah, he's in his face. That made me smile and feel good. I thought, I don't even know who this guy is. He's like a, he's he's funny. a footy player, but yeah. just look at him. Just, just you were, he was magnetic. You just couldn't take your eyes off him. See, I, I, when I'm sitting here talking to you, um, and I've known you for a long time. It, it's I, I find a, a great depth of um, I have a great depth of pride in being able to know you because I remember you were, when you were much younger when you're just a real young bloke. You were a bit younger too. Yeah, I was much younger. We both were. <laughs> you, I wasn't. Were, a, you, you were younger then than I am now, I, which really frightens I, I, I was. I wasn't a grizzly old bastard <laughs> I am today. But I, I, as described, someone described me yesterday. But um, I, I, I was just looking at you now, and and when I look in your eyes and I hear you and I watch you speak. What are you, 50? 46. 46, okay. There's a, a, there's a whole lot of wisdom there. I mean, I see a lot of wisdom there. And, and good on your parents for raising you in the way you've turned out, but there's a great deal of wisdom. In it, but, but it's not because you went to university. You, you, no, I didn't go to university. Okay, no. but correct. I got into nursing at Wollongong, but um, <laughs> I declined. But what, what you've got is you've got, this, you've got this education from seeing all the people you just right, mentioned those people you've mentioned, you've got an education, you sucked it from them a great deal of skills and you probably don't even realise it. And what you've been doing is you've been working on those skills and, in fact, you use those skills in the, your advertising business and no doubt you use those skills in Roses Only today. But you and, and the, the whole business of Roses Only today and probably everything you do, probably get right down to raising your young family. Yeah, I mean, stories with the kids. Um funny you know we we separate foods into muscle builders and muscle softeners eldest bloke bill he's wandering around the house the other night how old is he uh seven and a half half. so dad i want dessert i want help me find dessert i said mate do you know what you want he's like no no so we went through the cupboards i said well mate yeah can you can have that but it's a bit chocolatey and that one's got sugar in it he goes he goes uh he goes dad I, i know what i'm gonna have for dessert What's that, mate? He goes, I'm going to have 10, 10 push-ups and a couple of slices of apple. So he hit the deck. Did I've never had 10 push-ups and a slice of apple for dessert, but he did his 10 push-ups. And some, he said, Dad, can you chop up some finely chopped apples? Seven and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mad. Yeah, and I think it's about understanding consequences. I said, mate, I like eating chocolate, but, you know, if we're walking down the street and there's a bloke with a, a massive gut, Without being rude, I'll go make probably you know too many muscle softeners. And if we see an Adonis style bloke, I'll be like, "What do you reckon he has for dessert?" And I think that's when Bill came up with this concept of ten push-ups and a slice. His of name's apple. Billy. Yeah, Bill. Billy. 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 William, technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Billy. Amazing. He short the name straight up. Yeah, yeah. I got a James. He was Jimmy from the day he was born. Yeah. <laughs> never, never. Uh, from the day he was born, I called him Jimmy. Uh, so, Jack, your how how much do you put down? Those things that you use in your career currently with Rose Only, how much do you put down those skills to what you saw and what you learnt, and and probably more importantly what you heard, as opposed to what you were told? I'm not talking about what people lecture when people lecture to you, but what you heard, because I mean, hearing stuff to me, I'm I find hearing more powerful than seeing. Um, if I hear something, I find it much more powerful to me than if without seeing it, I find it much more powerful now. I mean, I'm in television. It's weird for me to say that, but I, I, to me, to hear something is very powerful if I'm not looking because I tend to get distracted with my eyes and I'm looking at all the vision and I'm not listening to what's being said. But growing up as a kid, kids hear everything. 
How powerful was that for you and how do you use that in your business today? Yeah, look, watching um, watching the way uh, Dad behaved in the office, um, and it was you know he'd use a lot of sport, particularly rugby league analogies about you know you know first in the first in the sheds, first to get changed, first to warm up. But it was it was about hard work, and it was you know I guess there's cliches and expressions like ninety nine percent perspiration, one percent inspiration. That you know every man and his dog's got an idea, an opinion. Um, but you know you've got to you've got to turn up, show up, dress up. You, you've you've got to you've got to play the game, and you've got to you've got to be the. No point sitting on the sideline and just you know yelling out your opinion. You've actually got to do the hard work. And you know, you look at a business like Roses Only, and it looks yeah. As you, you sort of pose that question: What is the business about? It's it's really about helping person A express an emotion to person B. You know, no one's buying flowers or gifts for themselves on mm. our side or sites. It's all about the A party, as we say, buying for the B party. It's about expressing love or emotion. And it, it, it seems like a, um, I don't know if it seems like an easy business, but it seems like, yeah, it's about emotion and love and it's fairly airy-fairy. But 99% of our success is due to really hard work. It is absolutely, you know, crunching numbers, looking at, Looking at supply, looking at the prices we're buying at, the prices we're selling at, what what price will the market bear? What's the competition doing? What's more important? I mean, market research. What what you know is price more important or product delivery? Are people prepared to pay for delivery? Do they want express delivery? Will they pay more for express delivery? So market research. Yeah, and and the internet. I mean, um, the famous um, famous advertising copyrighted. Um, John John Caples John Caples really invented this um, so-called A/B split testing, where in in the old days in newspapers um, there were two printing presses running, so you could actually run ad A in half the newspapers and ad B in the other half, and they would be randomly distributed. So, for the same advertiser, yeah, for the same advertiser, yep. you know, it'd be different, might be a different offer, different copy, different uh, different creative, different layout, but that's where this A/B testing that we talk about in the internet land came from and constantly well, why don't you explain can you explain to people listening because they might not what they know what yeah AB so uh, ab testing is where you have two different messages or two different websites or two different offers and you split the message like you might run one website that half the people see and the other half the people get to see a different site and you work out which website performs better or which offer performs better which creative which layout which headline performs better and that iterative um, improvement, where you're constantly testing A versus B. So you're not you don't do once you do A versus B, and the next week you do another. You get the, the winner of the, the last week and verse another B Ta- tournament. It's a tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like a, a knock, knockout B. competition. Yeah, it just keeps going. It keeps going. Yeah, and yeah. the first wins in any business or any tournament are fairly easy. You know, yeah. you're in a round of thirty-two, or yeah, yeah. you know, they're fairly easy to yeah, win yeah. there. But when you you know when you've got an ad or a headline or a website or a design that's testing not just testing well but performing really well in the real world and you've got to find something better than that and, and you constantly are searching to find something better and today than with that. online you can do that i mean it's it's easier because you're not actually having to print a whole newspaper and run two printing presses because you know the internet sort of allows you to do that oh yeah i mean even like google adwords even without changing your website you know our um I saw yesterday Google's revenue in Australia three billion dollars. <laughs> Amazingly, two million of that disappears, and I don't pay tax on it. But um, 
Yeah, yeah, the ability to be testing your Google ads, and it might not just be two ads, it might be three, four, five different ads you're testing all the time and, and serving different ads based on the geography of where that person is, the time of day. Um, you can get very, very granular, and you've just got to keep testing, 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 ru- running those tournaments, test your own. And do you do that at Rose Only? Oh, like multiple times per day. Yeah, multiple times per day. Our, our chief executive and our chief operations officer, they will be having a two-hour meeting at the start of every day, analyzing the marketing from the day before and talking about the marketing that's going to happen that day. And what works and what doesn't work. Yep. And how we can do it better. Yep. And what's and what's the next iteration we're going to test. Yep. Constantly testing, test checking performance, what's working, what's not working. And you might have some things that work in some geographies and not other geographies. I mean, time of day... In, in our business is, is very important because 90% of our orders are for same-day delivery. Right. So an ad that you run before lunch is completely different to the ad that you run after lunch because <clears throat> our cutoff for same-day delivery being 2 p.m., um, you can't offer same-day delivery after 2 p.m., so there's no point advertising it in your ads. It's going right. to be about the next day. Um, and then it's looking at do you actually extend, what's the cost of extending same-day delivery order-taking um, and you know, constantly running cost benefit analysis is is you know, there's benefit in doing that. What's the cost? So you're 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 telling me that a huge component of your business is market research in the form of testing, um, testing for outcomes, based on what you already know, and how do I improve that? It's sort of improve, 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 and new iterations. Like in your case, every day. But most people, they, they, what they, people should be doing this is weekly or fortnightly at least, as opposed to just doing what they've always done. Most oh, people, a lot of people the, just do the that. The biggest disease in any business is, you know, you ask the question, oh, mate, well, why do you do that? And I'll you know, get a bit airy-fairy. And why do you do that? Oh, well, you know, the answer always, nearly always boils down to, oh, that's the way we've always done it. Yeah, yeah. And if you keep doing things the same way, look, Nothing you, changes. You, might, you might succeed and yeah. you, you might you might potter along, but if you want to be the best, and when even if your competition's weak, I mean, most of our competing is done against our own ads. Yeah, We'll yeah. be testing ad A versus ad B, website A versus website B, that, you know, once you rise above the competition, if you're the best tennis player in the world, I mean... Don Bradman was, you know, statistically so far off the bell curve. You know, you used to see him with the, the cricket stump hitting the golf ball against the corrugated iron water tank. You know, if you've ever tried that, it's almost impossible to do. So when you when you run out of competition to compete with, you, you start competing with yourself. So if you look at your new standards, you look at yourself as the standard once you get to the top. Yeah. I mean, we're going to go to a break and I want to come back and I want to talk about what you thought of Kim and you know where do we take these sorts of businesses and, and, and the whole concept of paying it forward. Yes. Good on you, mate. We're back and I'm here to talk to Jack Singleton. And when Jack and I, during the break, we're talking about um, the Royal Commission and we're talking about you know the structures that encourage, one, enable, then secondly, encourage, and then finally demand certain behaviours that today, if you look, if you step back and look at them, you'd say that that is nearly that is misconduct, and this process of um, 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 incentives that get paid to executives, or in Jack's case, people in his call centre, um, how that can warp the behaviour between um, customer and the person receiving the incentive. So, what do you do, mate, in your joint? I mean, in your call, you have a call centre. Yeah, we um, we've, we've you work in it sometimes. I work in it a lot. Yeah, uh, and you. It, I saw a great little um, 
a video on a feedback loop and it was um I guess that iterative way of feedback loops should work. You test something, you you you, you try something, you, you add something to it. And there was a guy cooking soup and he, he tasted the soup and he added salt to the dish. And he didn't dip the spoon back in. He just kept, kept tasting from the same spoon and adding more salt because there was a there was a you know a glitch in the feedback loop. Working in the call center um, and speaking with real customers, placing real orders for real family and friends, you get to find out what... I mean, real 101 on marketing is find out what customer wants and give it to them and sometimes they don't know exactly how to say it i mean our introduction of express delivery time delivery that came from uh me working in the call center and our ceo uh you get blokes calling up oh mate need it there by three before three she's a teacher she's gone at three i'm looking at the thing oh well you know our, our current pr- um, promise was we'll guarantee delivery by five mate five's no good go be there by three and I'd say things like, we'll do our best and all these weasel words, but I could not promise it before three. And this, this probably happened, mm, you know, 10% of the calls I was taking in the call center were for delivery times that I just couldn't promise. So end of the day, um, I think it was before Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, a couple of years back, went to Alvin, our CEO, and I went to, went to the rest of the management team and said, we need time delivery we're missing out on orders because if that bloke's wife is a school teacher and i can't get it there by three and it's not i couldn't even get it there by three o'clock the next day we don't we just didn't offer that service and there was a fair bit of pushback saying oh you know we, we we'll have to charge extra you know customers don't want to pay extra for delivery so we you know one of our mantras in there is you know don't talk test so we tested it we said okay well look in in sydney or brisbane we'll test um, offering express delivery or time delivery. So if that bloke calls... Time delivery meaning... We can get it there by three. Right, We can get okay. it there by two. We can right. get it there by 11 if you order it, order before eight. Um, we, we introduced that as a test, uh, went went through the roof because... And how did you, you, did you... Did you put that on your website or did you... How did you do it? You say, if I if, rang up, you say, Mark... We, get, we, we offered it over the phone first. Yep. So if someone... Because you put it on the website and you, you don't... Although you can geographically target... It doesn't always work perfectly, but if someone calls and say, "Look, I need delivery. It's to Parramatta. Uh, need it there by three o'clock," I'd say, "Yes, cert- certainly, sir. Look, we've got um, a normal guarantee is five p.m. Uh, we do have express delivery. We get it there by three p.m., but that'll be an additional nine dollars ninety-five." Uh, we found where we offered express delivery to someone who wanted it. Ninety percent of the time, they said, "Yep, that's great." Because most of you haven't got because they you put them in a position where they've got no choice. Really, they have to say, "Okay, that's what I want. I have to pay nine ninety five. Done." Yeah, and it's got to be there by three. Yeah, um, you know, if if I'm buying, and as I said, the business we're in is you know delivering an emotion, person yeah, A, yeah. delivering a message to person B. Really, the the flowers are really just the delivery mechanism for that, yeah, yeah. that love, that emotion, that thank you, that that um, that expression. Uh, if I'm buying some cycling kit online, I don't want to pay for delivery. Mm. But I don't care if it's here on Tuesday or Wednesday or even next week. I, yep. I don't care. But if I'm sending flowers to you or someone else, I need it there today. As I said, 90% of our orders are for same-day delivery. Um, I'm hap- Not only am I happy to pay for delivery, I'm, I'm very happy to pay for express delivery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that fact, makes even, sense. Even when people are like on- online where you've got the choice of standard delivery, um, you know, $11, where you offer time delivery, I and mean, we can get there within an hour or two in some areas, and people go, "Yeah, I want that." But so, how did you? Okay, I I understand the outcome. 
how did you test it? I mean, how did you come up with the idea of this? I mean, like, like you, you, you just, just told me you had the problem. Customers wanted it, yeah. Yeah, you just and you just you sat down and what with Alvin, your CEO, and, and chatted sat about down it? with like it was it was always going to be possible, but the pushback we got from the rest of management was it'll cost more money. The drivers will need more money to do it. Yep, and that that could have been a brick wall if we hadn't tested it. And how did you test it? Just by, by offering it. Right. When people say, I, I need it there by three, we'd say, yeah, we can do that. And how'd you pick your price point? Ex- experimentation. Right. Um, so is it nine ninety five, for example, on the example you just gave me, an, if uh, an extra $9.95, would you just make that up, number up? I did just make that up. Okay. Yeah. No, but no, no, I was, but I was, I was trying to work out you, think, you thought it was better to be below $10 or, I mean, did you go through that process? De- definitely. Yeah. yeah. Look, it, it does. I mean, a lot of our price points are, are just under the $10 increments. Right. I mean, there's a lot of psychology about why that works and why that doesn't work. Also a lot of psychology about exact pricing. If you see something priced for $150 or $10,000, it looks a bit suspect. Like you think, well, why is it an exact amount? Whereas if something's priced at $9,748, you kind of think a lot of effort has gone into that price yeah, and yeah. that sends... A message, and that message is okay. They've they've worked hard on that price, right? Whereas a round number, you go you go into a restaurant or a um, a tire shop or a, a clothing shop, you very you very rarely see something for fifty bucks, five hundred or five thousand. That's true. Um, there's a psychology around the 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 message that is in a price. That's uh, it. That's, it. that's that's an interesting point. And so when you pick nine dollars ninety five, and I think it's important for our audience to listen to this. Um, do you then say, wait a minute, do you cost it first to yourself? Do you cost oh, it yes, first? yes, we yeah. do. Yeah. So you say, well, the courier guy is going to charge me $5.50. I've got a little bit extra whatever I've got to do, another dollar. Um, do you try to build a little bit of margin there for yourself? Yeah, so standard delivery, there's almost no margin in it for us. Yep. Um, but like like most things in most businesses, the higher the price point, the the more margin there is, both as a whole number and also as a you know a relative. Percentage. So pricing is a bit of a science. Uh, it's um, well, there's mathematics involved. Uh, there's maths involved. You, you want to cover your costs, but you also don't want to be undercharging either. Yeah, correct. Uh, I guess it's like you know Uber with it. Not that we do surge pricing, but um, the way Uber works, if I've got to be at the airport by a certain time and it's for work. Yeah, I mean the cost of missing that flight. Yeah, yeah. Hundreds and hundreds to rebook the flight could be tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands if I miss that meeting and that opportunity. So when I absolutely have to be somewhere like the airport for a particular flight to a particular city, I'll pay whatever it takes to get to the but, airport. But I know you will. But Uber does a calculation based on some sort of algorithm. It's electronic. You guys are sort of sitting down there purposely working out what the time deliveries are going to be going to be ours is always based upon consumer feedback right uh, we will test things in real life with real people real pricing and, yeah. and see what what people really want you know if, if someone said um you know 99 of our orders each day fit into a, you know, a nice matrix of price product delivery but if someone calls up and they really need something really special delivered at a really exact time and we can work out a way of it, us being able to recover our cost for providing that product to that place at that time and at a price that they're, they're happy to pay, we'll make things Do like you give discretion happen. to your call centre people or do they have to get up and ask the supervisor? They've got a lot of discretion. A lot They've of discretion. got a lot of discretion. Yeah. And how do you pay them? Um, so they, they get a, an hourly rate. Yep. Um, 
which is a bit more than the award rate. So we, yep. we pay them well and there's 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 penalty loading, holiday loading. And there every, everyone, every member of staff who's in Australia, we don't outs and, and they're all our own employees or contractors. We don't outsource any jobs yep. or calls or IT and we certainly don't offshore. Yep. Um, someone yep. once said to me, oh, you know, mate, you could save about, you know, two million bucks a year if you sent your calls. To the Philippines. Yeah, and, and we would. We would save a couple of million bucks, but we would probably halve our sales. Yeah, so, and are they at Waterloo where your main office is? Uh, head, head office is in Brisbane. Right. So all, all our staff in Brisbane um, and people who deal with customers, they get um, handsomely paid as far as an hourly rate, but then they do have a, an incentive, incentive scheme based on – well, I mean, there's a funny story there. We initially incentivized them to have the highest average selling price, so to be – you know, upsell, cross-sell, add, add chocolates, add gifts. Um, but because that was based on an average, I found when I was working in the call center, I might take three or four orders and I might be up there above Donald Bradman. I might be batting above 100 bucks. Next person... Average the, price, yeah. Yeah, average price. Next person on the phone, I'm, I'm sensing they haven't got a lot of money. And I'm thinking, whoa, this system is actually... in This incentive program is incentivizing me right now to ditch to that caller. If I take a $35 order, my batting average is yeah. going to come yeah, below yeah, yeah. 100. Yep. And I felt this internal tension. I realized that our incentive program was wrong. It was it, wrongly skewed. It was going to drive a behavior. It was encouraging. It was demanding of me a behavior that was completely against the best interest of the customer and long-term the company. Because it was playing to your competitive spirit. Yeah. Which is, what, that, you try to, is which what you try to engender within a call center. Yeah, so now, now, now so then I looked at our, our chief executive who was sitting next to me in the call centre and he, we nodded and smiled at each other. It was like, yeah, this, this incentive program is So wrong. how did you restructure? Because, I mean, th- that's quite an interesting thing. I mean, you know, we, talk, we were just earlier talking about the banks and the Royal Commission and the incentive programs that bankers have been getting and, you know, to some people they find it quite disgusting. But that structure was there to look after shareholders' interests and transfer wealth from customers to shareholders. Um, and it's interesting, here you are running, a, 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 in relative terms, a modest call centre with incentive programs. You've recognised it straight up. No Royal Commission to Jack Singleton's business. Uh, you've recognised it straight up that it, cha- it, it we're, can we're, influence we're behaviour. We're the internal Royal Commission between yeah. me, me and the CEO yeah, and correct. the rest of manager. Because if you're not having your own internal Royal Commissions daily... Yeah, I agree with that. So, someone else is going to look at you and go, that, that's... I put it in, and I, I actually describe it as you need to have a little bit of paranoia. And, mm-hmm. and the paranoia is actually quite healthy. I'm not saying you should become weird, but you need to always feel like, am I doing the right thing here? Is there something I should change or something I should reevaluate straight away? Oh, yeah. I would say we've got a very, very healthy level of internal paranoia. Yeah. We sort of wake up in cold sweats. So what did you do about that mornings. incentive, Jack? Like what, how did you restructure it? Was oh, we, it- we changed it to another incentive that was equally wrong. We didn't know that at the time until we tested it. So um, we, we changed from incentivizing on average selling price. We changed the incentive to conversion. So of every 100 calls that comes in, how many of them do you convert to orders? Yep. Problem with that was because we do give our um, all, all of our staff a fair bit of um, autonomy. Uh, what they were doing, if they thought they were going to convert lose any it, price, sorry, convert at any price. <laughs> yeah. So what I found, I was doing in the call center. I'm looking again. I, I'm I can't bat above Don Brad. You can actually go above 100 percent because I could be selling, doing multiple sales um, to one one yep. caller. Mother's Day could be to the you know the the mother and the mother-in-law. So I'm I'm batting close to Don Bradman again. Um, in your conversions? In my conversions, close to 100%, maybe a bit above. Call comes in, I think I'm going to lose them. I start giving stuff away. Yeah, free chocolates, fr- free yeah, delivery. Totally. 
Like, man, this so this, this system's wrong again. It's this 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 incentive was great for the customer. Yeah, yeah. they're getting all this free but stuff. Bad, bad for the company. Bad for the company. And as a call center agent, I literally had my call center hat on, my headset. I'm worried about getting my incentive for that day. Um, it drove a behaviour in me, which was because Jack was going to get rewarded based yeah. on his behaviour, based on getting above the standard. Yep. Yep. And which is, uh, at some in some respects, means giving shit away. Yeah. So 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 we had we had to change, and we're now up to our probably literally twenty or thirtieth, you know, incremental iteration improvement of the way that incentive scheme works. And that's interesting. And here we got Jack Singleton telling us about, you know, he's at his twentieth uh, iteration of incentive schemes. Yeah, we've got a royal commission looking at our bankers who never have had a a new iteration of their incentive schemes for for as long as I can remember because the bankers themselves aren't going to institute it because they're the ones getting they're paid. They're the shareholders. And they're, they're not, not the shareholders. shareholders. The shareholders aren't going to institute it because they've been getting record dividends for many, many, many years. It's taken our reflection on customers and the bad behaviour towards those customers, the misconduct towards those customers. That's been the thing that's actually got this Royal Commission to start to look at these structures and behaviours around incentives. I think it's all around incentives. I think everything they've done has been around the incentives that they've been provided. You can nearly say, I mean, I don't feel sorry for them, but you can nearly say, I don't blame them, though. I don't feel sorry for them if they get into trouble, the bank executives, but I don't blame them, though, because they were basically doing what they thought was the right thing by the shareholders. It's interesting. We had to have a Royal Commission do that, whereas Jack Singleton and his business, and every small business, by the way, not just Jack, every small business in this country, we all do it every day of the week. Look at the balance between customers' outcomes and the business's outcomes, whether it's for shareholders or the company. We all do it. We don't have we don't have the luxury of relying on a royal commission to come and how to straighten ourselves up and our behaviour. We because if we don't get this right, we don't fucking survive. We don't make it. Yeah, and I, and, and long term, you 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 won't have a company. I mean, what's good short term? What's really 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 good short term is normally really really bad long term. I mean, that's why I don't just. Um, figuratively put my hat on as a call center agent, sit in the call center. So as our chief executive, I don't just figuratively put my hat on as a consumer. I use our service all the time for delivering flowers. I, I pay full retail. I use my own credit card. I do it online. I do it on my laptop. I do it on my mobile phone. I do it over the phone. So I'm a I'm a real customer. I'm a real. Um, I, I work in sales in the business as well. Uh, I'm also a shareholder. I'm a director and non-executive chairman. But if, if I didn't sit in that call center and take those orders or attempt to take those orders and attempt to make as much money as I could based on the incentive program that our management had put in place, if I didn't actually do that myself, you know, and, and the CEO didn't do it, do it himself, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't know these things or probably wouldn't know these things. And, and, and you know what, and I think for anyone who's listening to this, if you run a business, it really what, I mean, this is like that... Um, guy, the, the secret boss or whatever it is. I mean, you do not know about your business if you don't get involved in your business and roll your sleeves up and actually get out to see the business. I mean, it's part of the – and it's part of the the way I program the, the TV show, The Mentor. I walk – I go and hang out with these people in their business for five days. I do not know what they would be like unless I actually watch them with cameras doing pressure tests as to how they interact with the customers and how the business is. They could send me an email, come and see me in my office, so I can sit in my boardroom and have my tie and my suit on, I could be talking to them. But I, 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 it's all bullshit. I never really know what's going on unless I actually get out there and watch them perform, which is what you're saying. 
if you run a business, you need, and you're sort of not involved in the business, you're sort of sitting back all the time. And I often say you've got to work on the business, not in the business, but sometimes you've got to go and work in the business and not on the business. It, they, they both oh, – You've got, you got to do it all. You've, you've got to do to, both. You, 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 you absolutely must. Yeah, because that's easy you, you, to do. You can potter along. You can be kind of okay. But if you want to offer the best product and service to your customers and have a great business that's profitable and deliver back to shareholders and have happy, really happy staff – you have to work in your business, on your business. You have to be a customer. You have to have flowers sent to you. You have to send flowers. You've got to get fresh eyes in. I mean, our, our most valuable um, consultants, uh, when people post a complaint, um, we think, oh, that that's harsh. Um, but then we go, hey, you know, people pay a fortune for McKinsey's or someone who's yeah. doing a consulting job. Hey, we've got a real customer who's really unhappy. Something's gone wrong. And you turn that around? And we, we, 90% of it, we will turn around. To becoming a really happy customer who will say good things about you. Yeah. I mean, and we never, we never ask them to say good things about yeah, us. Yeah, but yeah. This, this is a real person. They've, yeah, they've yeah. spent a hundred bucks and something's gone wrong. Where did it go wrong? Where, where, where's, the, where's the leak in the hose? What happened? Was it delivery? Was it product? Um, we, we almost never have anyone complain about price. I mean, we have to source our roses from um, either Africa, Tanzania, Kenya. Best roses are still South American, um, Colombia, Colombian roses, um, Ecuadorian. There might be some interesting things in those Colombian yeah, roses. We don't, we don't do the importation. <laughs> Leave that to the importers. Um, the product has to be great. I don't think we've ever had a complaint about. Oh, you, you know, the product was. $7. I've had your. I've had roses. Um, you, you you bought me this beautiful box of long stem roses about two years ago, and I have to say to anyone listening, the, the roses are magnificent. They are, they are really beautiful. They really are, Jack. I mean, and, I, and by the way, Jack, roses only don't just sell roses. They sell all sorts of flowers, but the roses are just ridiculously good. I mean, I've never. They nearly look. They look so good. I just can't believe it. Like, like nearly look fake. They're so bloody good. That, that's, what, that's what people want. I oh, know they're, they're yeah. unbelievable. They're beautiful. They're really beautiful. And they look beautiful in a vase, and they last a long time too. So, and and I, I, I it's it really is so interesting to me that uh, you're telling a story about how you you're the chairman of the business, you're a shareholder in the business, or and you and the CEO of the business actually go out and experience what the customer experience, but also go out and experience what the call center experience is. You'll get involved in every part of the business. And it makes me think to myself, I mean, I just think to myself then, wow, Mark, how long is it since you've actually sat down in a branch and watched a loan application be put in, in one of the branches? And it's probably two years, it's probably time for me to get back out of my branches. So, you know, you're- I, I guarantee, I mean, I've, I've the, my management does it, know about this but i've got a little list that i call 100 little things that will each that will get us an extra order a day per thing now a lot of them are tiny little things um but if we get one if if 100 if we implemented these 100 little ideas that got us each one of those things got us one extra order a day that makes a significant difference it's like anything in life the first 80 percent it's your costs. You, you can't, you Co- can't, covers you, your costs. Yeah, you, you know, you, you get there just for turning yeah, up. Yeah. And then the, for 80 to 90% of your potential is really hard. If yep. you're a, an athlete or you're trying to lose a bit of weight or whatever your goal is, you know, getting 80% of your goal, that you, you, work, you work reasonably hard and put a, a, a molecule of intelligence in, you'll get there. 80 to 90, that's where you really start sweating, but not 90 to 100%. Um, 
you know, you could probably put as much effort into the getting that last 10% as, as the first 90%. But it's got to be fun. I mean, I love sending people flowers. I sent, um, on behalf of my uh, brother-in-law, I sent my sister some flowers um, for their wedding anniversary on the weekend. And I found a flaw in, um, well, not a flaw, but there's an improvement that could be made in the part of the website where you type the message in. Now, that might not get us one extra order ever. But the frustration I had could be overcome by a few a few little you know IT things that we could fix up and make putting your card message in easier. But unless I'd gone in there and written a poem, I had my two sons helping me write the poem. Unless I'd gone in and wrote a poem and tried to arrange that poem in a way that was going to look good on the card, I wouldn't have known that. And a lot of cards are poems. Um, Maybe we should go make a loan application myself at YBR. Oh, you look at the form. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> f- filling in the form. I look at forms and go, whoever came up with it, oh. it's a physical form. My email address is not going to fit in that. Mm. Um, why is the why is the phone number part like that? What, what you know, I filled in. Why is the state or the suburb and the, are, are interposed? So I've written. You know you why? Know, Maybe because I can tell you now. We, we, I mean, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of customers, and we have IT people. And software developers develop the form. We don't have people who face customers and or customers build the form. We have IT people. You know, like, and I'm, with the greatest respect to IT people, with software developers, um, maybe they've got no bloody idea. I mean, like, because most of these guys... Well, maybe never... they're very, very good at that specific... Like, I'm very, very, very bad at IT or software or anything like that. So if you let me around the back end, business would fall over tomorrow. <clears throat> but people need to know their strengths. I mean, what what I'll do is I'll go to a, a family member or a friend and go, mate, here's 150 bucks cash. What I want you to do is order some flowers for anyone you want. You take the cash, but I want you to order the flowers, put it on your credit card, and I'm going to stand behind you and watch you do it. And you watch from the beginning of the journey, whether it's going to Google and typing in roses only or flower delivery for, for Martin Place. Watch what they do. And a lot of people will... They won't even know that they're um, that they're going through a you know there's a difficulty in the process because people can be human beings are pretty persistent. But if I see them slowing down or I can see them pause to think, and I'll say, say I'd say, Mark, what? Why did you stop there? And you go, my oh, I wasn't sure what to. And that's not your fault. If we've got a form that makes you have to pause and think, and I might walk away. You might walk away. So yeah, we're too, spending a lot of advertising dollars getting you to that size. Yeah, 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 yeah. If, totally. If a conversion rate's the holy grail, you know, mm. no one, no one goes to Google and types in flower delivery Martin Place because they're doing some research. Yeah, they yeah. want flowers delivered to Martin Place. Yeah, yeah. And ninety percent of them, probably hundred percent of them, want them delivered today. Yep. So from the beginning of that journey, the top of that funnel, where people have searched or gone to our website, they all want flowers delivered. And we might be celebrating going, wow, look, our conversion rate's 15%, which is very high in the world of online retail. But those other 85 people, of that 100, 15 ordered, the other 85, they wanted flowers. Yeah. What's happened? Yeah. Have they decided not to send flowers? Is it because of what, how we presented ourselves? Have what they are gone the reasons? to a competitor? Have yeah. they decided to send something else? Have they decided to send a, you know, a, a puppy or a pot plant or what, what have they sent? So a lot of people pat themselves on the back too early and go, look at that conversion rate. We look at from the other side and go, 85 out of 100, what Look at the non-conversion what rate. What happened to them? Let's look at the non-conversion rate. Yeah. And I think one of the lessons out of what you just said, Jack, is really important, that the last part of what you just said, is that 
if you're running a business and you decide you you know you have to bring in software developers to build your website or whatever it is that you're you know whatever you need the software developers to build build for you and you let's say you outsource it, in other words you don't employ you outsource it what's really important is don't leave it to the software developers to make all the decisions because just because you think you're an IT nerd uh, you're not an IT person and you're not you don't understand it let them build do the building bit but make sure that you're testing you're testing the outcomes and you're testing the the intuitiveness of what it is they're building because you should never rely on an IT person or a software developer to have the intuition that you have about how your site should work and then make sure you test it on real customers before it's built. Like actually get real people to look at it and and and, and then just when it's built, testing. it's not it's not job done. It's yeah, not yeah. like you've built the Taj Mahal or the pyramids. What you've built in the digital world can be and should be changed or it tested against an you know an ab split change this form change this website change 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 and it's a constant tournament to work out what is the most efficient purchase funnel what's the most efficient product funnel if you're not testing and making those little changes every day your business will not reach its full potential this it might get close but if you want to if you you want your business to be as good as it can possibly be it's a never-ending. It's not. It's certainly not a thankless task. There will be a lot of blind alleys you'll run down. But you've got. To, you might test ten things that don't work, but the eleventh thing could be the tunnel that leads you to gold. You need to keep testing, and you need to know that nine of the ten things you try will not work. So that that doesn't mean you try nine and give up. It means you actually doesn't mean you do 10 and the 10th is good. It means you actually do 100 things and of those 100 things, 10 of them will be beneficial to your business. And the, the other 90, well, you you know, you throw them away and then next week you test another 100 things and 10 of them statistically will be good for your business and you just keep going. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been gold for me and uh, hopefully gold for yourselves. Um, very generous of Jack to offer his insights, um, the combination of all his experiences, and I know that his experiences are ongoing, and he's going to continue to uh, have lots of iterations in his own experiences, what works for him, what doesn't work for him. But it's very generous of Jack to actually sit down today with us and uh, explain to everybody what makes his business tick. But probably more importantly, um, it's his leadership that makes his business tick, and, it's how, and we're now learning how Jack Singleton ticks. Mate, thanks for being absolutely awesome, mate. Thanks, Mark. Really enjoyed it. 